Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. By Ottinger, up and down they go, two on one. Caliber Matthews and he scores. Donaldson, right wing, Mazzara. Low post, Juke, Janai. Bounce pass, Baker, Mazzara, three. Got it! Holy Got God. it! Here's Isaacs. He'll launch from beyond center court. No oh. good. Cincinnati knocks off. 15th ranked Texas Tech handing the Red Raiders their first home loss of the season. Spencer behind the screen of Samson Johnson. Skips it right to Castle for three. And Steph fires it in. A triple. UConn by two, 36-34. Look out. Castle starting to heat up. He's got a dozen. A siege and a three at the horn. No good. And Purdue will win this game. The Purdue Boilermakers escape Madison, Wisconsin with a 75-69 win over the Wisconsin Badgers. Here's Tominaga. Has struggled of late. That'll get him going. That's a massive shot for Casey Tominaga. Good morning. Welcome into Herd Out Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm Ravi Lula. Anna Bellinghouse enjoying joining me this morning. Anna, how are you? I'm doing great, Ravi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anna filling in for Andrew this morning. Uh, so you have been, you had a busy weekend. Sure did. You were up in Brookings, South Dakota. What were you doing in Brookings, South Dakota? Well, I don't typically vacation there, Robbie. But Especially not in February, I No, guess. not typically in February, but yeah. I'll tell you what I was doing. I was on the sidelines for a CBS game between USD and SDSU. Great rivalry up there. It's It's been going on since like 1915 was the statistic. Pretty crazy stuff. So it's a, it's a long, uh, long history of a college basketball rivalry. SDSU ended up coming out with the win uh, by three points up at Frost Arena. So... Uh, really cool just to see the atmosphere there in a mid-major level. They had like 3,500 people there, but in that arena, they're just all right on top of you. So yeah. it's, it's a fun it's a fun feeling. It's a fun environment and uh, great college basketball as always. I was going to say, what's the capacity? Was that pretty close to yeah, capacity? Yeah, that was capacity, yeah. Okay. that's all. It's always funny to me because I have no – I mean, obviously I've been to like Hinkle and places mm-hmm. like that, but because of – Creighton, I have no like real feel for yeah. how big some of we these. We think this is normal. Yeah, well, like, I know it's not normal, but I'm like, okay, how much outside of normal sure, is it, sure. right? I mean, I know there's a lot that are kind of in that like eight to ten range, but I do forget sometimes that there's, you know, these these Horizon or Summit League mm-hmm. or like Missouri Valley teams. Where you're like, yeah, it's like we're like somewhere between yeah. like four and six. It right? makes it so fun to play in, though. Oh yeah, those arenas are always, first of all, just incredibly loud because they're just not that big in general it kind of reminds me of you're probably not old enough for this uh did you ever go see civic center yeah did you ever see anything at the civic i actually had season tickets for the omaha beef in the civic center and they had to like 
roll up the projector for them to kick extra points. Yes, yeah. yes. That, I was, memory. The Omaha beef games, w- w- there was, you know, the Omaha beef have gone through a lot of different, like, ownership groups and management groups and stuff like that, but there's some of them that got, that did a really good job of getting people packed into that building, mm-hmm. and that was so loud. It was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, and especially when you get those, like, cowbells going, yeah. the uh, that going on in a kind of little bandbox stadium is is incredibly loud so i kind of imagine some of these uh mid-major venues mm-hmm. uh you know like the dakotas and stuff are, are kind of have like yeah. a civic feel to them one that slept on is oral roberts uh down in tulsa oh so i've actually been to oral roberts beautiful facility yeah. and it's it's a smaller one but it's so fun there they yeah. literally let the fans on the court during a timeout just to dance and they like turn the lights off and flash them <laughs> oral roberts had like a 25 game win streak there at home just because of the environment and the hostility yeah. that the the crowd brings there they just pack it out every night but it's just so fun to see those mid-majors have great environments oral roberts does have a, a super cool environment now when i was down there it was because we were taking nai and nai team down there to play okay. them and so the atmosphere wasn't like what uh, <laughs> what it would be for a conference game or anything like that but you're right the facility's gorgeous it's beautiful yeah. it, it, i was on. i was stunned by how nice the facility was down there um but yeah it's uh it's kind of an interesting little i'm sure you you're starting to like get a little tour of the of the I midwestern am, yeah. i went up to grand forks too okay um, at the betty and the ralph so the yeah. ralph is the hockey rink it's gorgeous yeah. too i mean they have like cherry wood uh seats and everything yeah. it's the detail up there is it's intense have you ever been i don't think they've played division one games there ever Maybe they do. Have you ever been to the Corn Palace? I have not, no. And I think it's in Mitchell, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of smaller school tournaments up there. It's, it's, I mean, it's a big deal. It's like yeah. a corn museum and also Ooh, a basketball I'll venue. It's, uh, it's a little strange, but it's, it's pretty cool up there. Um, on the show today, we've got a lot of college basketball. Uh, that's kind of the flavor of the month right now as we are in February, just, I think, six weeks away from March Madness. We're, we're in the sweet spot. Feels like March. We're getting close. I know. If it could stay like this, that'd be terrific. We are getting close, though, to March Madness, which I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, coming up on the show today, we've got Sam McEwen at 8 a.m. from the Omaha World Herald. At 9, we've got Vinny Iyer. He covers the NFL for Sporting News. We've got, don't worry, we've got quite a bit of football talk in here as well. And then I, in honor of the Grammys last night, I wanted to give out some awards for Nebraska and Creighton basketball through this point in the season. So we'll do that later on in the show as well. But to start off, I mean, we got to start off with that Nebraska-Illinois game last night, which was uh, heartbreaking to say the least. Because that, I mean... (laughs) That was probably the best they've played on the road this year. 100%. Certainly the best opponent they've mm-hmm. played on the road this year. I know they beat Kansas State, but Kansas State and Illinois are not in the same uh, league this year, I don't think. And there were so many opportunities where you just thought, ah, this one's going to slip away. Kind of like you did against Wisconsin mm-hmm. where – you know, they would get to a seven-point lead. They got to a 10-point lead late. And you're like, ah, Nebraska's kind of running out of gas. And I have to say, I've been incredibly impressed with – I think it's just the – I mean, part of it's the stamina because these guys are playing crazy minutes. Mm-hmm. You're getting 37, mm-hmm. 33, 35 minutes. Right. 
And then the other part is I think it's just the mental toughness that Fred Hoiberg's been able to instill in this team or the he was able to recruit guys that already have that because there is zero quit in this team. And every time it feels like they are about one shot away from getting blown out or having the thing blown open, they always make the next play. And it's uncanny. Like, it is an uncanny ability that is super undervalued, and it's the reason they're able to stay in these games. And, you know, against Wisconsin, obviously they win. Against Illinois, they, they, they force overtime. But it's kind of the one thing that sticks out to me the most, just the fact that they always make that play that they absolutely have to in order to keep themselves in it. And I'm sure they heard all the talk about how they can't play on the road and can't compete on the road, and I'm sure that fueled them. And, I mean, credit to the mental fortitude and Fred Hoiberg and whatever he's been saying to this team because it's been working as of late. I mean, after that Wisconsin game, he, he said in the post-game press conference that that was the most he's ever gotten into a team and the most animated he's ever been in a halftime locker room to really rally his group. And I think mm-hmm. that's just carried over. And unfortunately – ball didn't bounce the right way for Nebraska at the end of it. But, I mean, for them to force overtime and, I mean, down the stretcher, it was they were down by nine points. And like you said, Robbie, they could have just folded right yeah. there. They could have folded. There was two times they were down by nine. Uh, they hit a three, and then Illinois hit another three back. So it's just just the mental fortitude of that Nebraska team will take them far. And, I mean, it's a team we all want to see, of course, in March because they're so dangerous when they're, when they're clicking on all cylinders. But – I mean, I don't know how the committee is going to look at this loss and how much they factor that in, close loss on the road in overtime, and it's going to be interesting down the road to see how this one affects them. But, man, if they could have got this one, it would be hard to deny them for March Madness. It really would have. It would have been their 17th win. It would have been probably their second most impressive win of the season after the Purdue win because I think Illinois on the road is a little more impressive than Wisconsin at home, but it's, it's probably a coin flip there. But I I really think they're in a spot now where because of the narrative about their road woes has kind of become a thing, I do think they have to win a couple on the Mm -hmm. road in order for this to be viewed well, right? For a close, excuse me, a close loss for Illinois, at Illinois to be viewed well, it has to be, they have to go out and get a couple of these other home games or road games so that it's not just like, ah, well, they always lose on the road. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they came close a couple times, but they always lose on the road, whether it's, you know, overtime at Rutgers or, you know, overtime at Illinois or the, the close game at Minnesota when they blew a lead. It, it's going to have to be they play well. On, like, if you get a couple of these road games down the stretch, it changes the narrative to, ah, uh, they can't get over the hump on the road, mm-hmm. to, oh, look how often they played well, played well on the road, right? Even though they didn't always win, they played well on the road several times in conference against tough opponents. Right. Where now it's just kind of like, uh, what do we do with this team that yeah. cannot win away from That can't GBA? just be the one exception yeah. to their resume. I mean, I just pulled up the schedule, too. So you got at Northwestern, which you have to mark down as a win, I think, if you're Nebraska, in, in your mind, at least going into it. And then you get Michigan at home, Penn State at home, and then at Indiana. I mean, just looking at that slate, those are all coin flips, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. In the Big Ten, everyone's so good in that conference right now. So it's 
I think every game is going to be a battle, but man, like you said, Robbie, you got to get, you got to get wins on the road and just prove to the committee, Hey, that wasn't just a a one-time wonder against Illinois and and we're the real deal. Yeah. The ones that stick out to me the most are at Indiana and at Michigan. Those are the ones they're really teetering on that top 100, uh, Indiana. I'm, I'm looking at Ken Palm, Indiana's 99 Rutgers is 100. Or excuse me, Michigan is 101. Rutgers is 100, but that's a home game. So you're looking at a couple. I mean, you're looking at a couple of the worst teams in the Big Ten, in uh, Indiana and Michigan. Which mm-hmm. is funny to say that the worst teams are like right at that hundred mark because right. that's still not terrible. But those are the ones you look at and you go, okay, those are ones they have to get, and then take care of business at home. And I actually think you're in really good shape at that point. Northwestern is not a bad loss on the road if you take that loss. Obviously, you'd like to just get back on the winning on the winning side of things after this one, but I think you've got to get at least two away games down the stretch uh, for this to matter. But talking about that Illinois game a little more specifically, uh, it was both frustrating and really exciting to see Tominaga get back on uh, kind of a heater a little bit there he was incredible yesterday 31 points 9 of 14 shooting but the reason it was frustrating was because guys that had been playing well like a cj wilcher if they had just been able to maintain that level this is absolutely a win for nebraska and that's the kind of the tough pill to swallow Mm -hmm. is you finally get tominaga back on track and then wilcher who'd been shooting like 60 percent from the field over the last few weeks finally comes back to earth and it's like uh you couldn't have waited one more game Mm -hmm. you wait one more game and you get a signature win but Tominaga was on a different level yesterday yeah Tominaga 31 points and then to your point about CJ Wilcher not showing up as much in the stat sheet also you got to look at Bryce Williams only seven points and and those are the guys that you want the 10 to 12 points from per game that you can just kind of bank on and Casey I mean he's been a little bit more up and down than we've seen him in, in compared to last year but I mean he's still an incredible talent and will go off in games like this but again to your point Robbie it doesn't always matter as much if you don't have that supporting cast to back you up well and the other thing that I thought was and it's going to fly under the radar because he played well over overall but rink mast played really well but was only four of 12 on two-point field goals Mm -hmm. that is for a big guy that number is way too low he had a really hard time finishing uh, around the rim and on some of his kind of post moves and stuff like that. He was 4-9 from three, which you'll take. That's a really good number for him. And he hit some huge ones yeah. down the stretch, which is uh, obviously a, a big reason Nebraska was able to stay in this thing. But that 4 of 12 from two-point range really just jumps out to me as, man, what a bunch of missed opportunities. Because he was getting a lot of good looks. He was kind of giving Illinois fits on the inside a little bit. And whether it was Hawkins or Gary trying to try to guard him, or or I think Domask was on him a little bit as well. But man, they his inability to just finish some of those. And I get there's contact. I mm-hmm. get that they're not. I get their contested finishes. But those are shots that he's got to make if Nebraska's going to win these games. Honestly, looking at the stat sheet, just the box score, I think it's incredible that Nebraska made it a three-point game in overtime looking at their rebound Oh, margin. my gosh, yeah. 50 total rebounds for Illinois, only 33 for Nebraska, and then O-board 17 to 5 in favor of Illinois. I mean, to have yourself in the ball game with 
that amount of offensive rebounds against you, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that's a credit to the defense too, but still Fred Hoiberg's got to be just scratching his head at the, the rebounding or the rebounding battle. Well, and that's kind of the place where, you know, you mentioned against Wisconsin, he really got after him a little bit. Yeah. That to me is the place for uh, for Nebraska. If you're going to if you're going to get after these guys, it's got to be about the rebounding. I mean, the the reason they were able to come back against Wisconsin in that second half was because they were down minus 12 on the boards in the first half. They were plus 6 in the second half, mm-hmm. right? They ended up only losing that offensive rebounding or that their overall rebounding battle by six or seven this one they could not keep Illinois away from the from their own missed shots I mean Illinois rebounded almost 50 percent of their missed shots they missed 41 total shots they got 17 of those back that is a number that is going to kill you especially when you look at Nebraska they missed 39 shots. They got yeah. five of them back. And Illinois was just straight up missing at some points of the ball game late in the stretch where they had that nine-point lead. Yeah. It could have easily been 15 points. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like that's kind of, And sometimes it seems like luck. Nebraska always seems to get that next stop, mm-hmm. whether it's just – I mean, there were some – you're right. Illinois had some wide-open looks yeah. that they just bricked, especially from three. And, I mean, like – like Terrence Shannon went three mm-hmm. of ten from three point range. Uh, Harmon, who's usually a good shooter, went zero for four off the bench. Like you had these guys that are normally really good shooters for Illinois, missed some pretty good looks. There was a couple of them kind of in, uh, kind of in a secondary transition where these guys are wide open because Nebraska lost them trying to get back, and they don't come anywhere close. And that's kind of the the funny thing about this team is. It's not always even they did something to get the stop or whatever. Mm-hmm. They There does seem to be a little bit of an element of they catch some breaks in these situations. Like there was one where the Illinois guy, uh, I, I think I can't, I think it was Garrier, missed a dunk mm-hmm. yeah. in a spot that you're like, ah, oh, that probably puts it away. And then he just misses a dunk. And Nebraska ends up with it. And you're like, that's such a bizarre – because Nebraska, like, Nebraska didn't do anything to make right. him miss that dunk. It was such a bizarre yeah. sequence. I remember seeing that and just saying to myself, Nebraska has to win this ballgame now. Right? Because of that. Like, you got so lucky on multiple breaks down yep. the stretch against a great Illinois team at home in front of a rabid fan base, and they still ended up not capitalizing on it. I mean, that, that's got to be a heartbreaker for Husker fans. Honestly, it, and switching gears a little bit uh, on from Nebraska, it – kind of reminded me of a couple of the pit plays down the stretch uh, with Creighton and Butler on mm-hmm. Friday night yeah. where when Creighton forced that turnover with about 10 seconds left down one, I was like, oh, man, Creighton's going to get this one. Right. Like when you get that turnover in that spot and you don't have to foul them, that's that opportunity that you're like, hey, that's, that's what we were waiting for. Like let's do this. And then, unfortunately, Trey Alexander uh, dribbles it out of yeah. bounds off his foot. And, I mean, they did a good job of kind of extending the game and fouling and keeping, keeping up with Butler. Uh, but that was the one opportunity where you look at and you go, they really had to take advantage there. Yeah, I mean, you have to put it bluntly. I mean, Creighton lost that game. They, they had their opportunities, and unfortunately, the bounce doesn't go their way. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's something that you have to look at afterwards and say hey this is what we could have done better that was our chance and we didn't execute the way we wanted to but 
I mean, that's also just a credit to how good the Big East is. And you have to know that every single team coming in playing in Omaha or at UConn or anywhere at Xavier, these are all potential quad one wins for these teams that are lower in those Big East standings. Of course, they are going to come in and Creighton and UConn and those teams. Marquette always have a target on their back. So, you know, you're getting their best shot every single night. It's a, it's a tough one to drop on the road or on uh, at home for mm-hmm. Creighton and especially in that fashion when you when you had the ball game in your hands. But, yeah, it, it was a tough one to swallow for Creighton fans. Well, and the I think the worst part about it was that was probably – I said this on Twitter. I, I think that was probably one of the worst defensive performances mm-hmm. I've seen by Creighton yeah. in several years. I mean, it was kind of astounding how – little they how little resistance they put up to Butler getting to the exact spots they wanted to be on defense uh my buddy Matt D. Marinas he does stuff for the white and blue review he he looked it up for me because I asked the question Creighton hadn't got two stops in a row for the entire second half it had been from the two minute 27 second mark in the first half that they got two consecutive stops on Butler. Two consecutive wow. trips where Butler did not get points in one form or fashion. You'll, you're never going to win that game. No. Like, that is a, one of the more astounding things. Because I, I kind of said, I was like, I really, I was kind of thinking about it during the game. I was like, I don't know when the last time Creighton stopped Butler two times in a row. And so I, I shot it off in the group chat. And I go, is the, am I crazy? Has this happened? And, you know, after the game, because Matt is great at the looking or finding figuring this kind of stuff out, he, he sends me 227 first half. It was the last time they got two stops in a row. Wow. That is a brutal defensive performance. And I know I get that Butler was making shots. I get it. It's fine. They shot 60% from three, 55% from the field. I get that they were making shots. Part of that is because they were getting wherever they wanted to go on Mm -hmm. defense. It's not all just, oh, they were on a heater, nothing we can do. Like, that's not how defense works. You don't just throw your hands up and be like, oh, I guess they're making everything today. Oh, well. I couldn't believe the fact that there was no plan B for their defensive coverage. Like, there just was none. And for me, it was that – the way they were, they were guarding those ball screens where they chase through them and then Ryan Kalkbrenner drops off. There was a foul early on Stephen Ashworth when he was chasing, uh, I think it was DJ Davis. He was chasing DJ Davis over a screen and he fouled him on a three-pointer. After that, he was late chasing him every single time because he didn't want to foul him. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're late chasing and can't force him into the drop coverage – then they get whatever they want in that mid-range zone. And listen, I get it. You don't, you're like, oh, you'll live with the mid-range shots. Not when they're wide open. And if they're making a ton of them, you have to change something up. And Creighton never adjusted. That was the part to me that was, like, I get that's your base defense. Where's the changeup? Mm-hmm. You don't have anything else you can throw at them because after giving up 45 in the first half and then having it be clear that they're going to score at least that many in the second half, you have to throw something else at them, and they never did. And Creighton is one of the best perimeter defenses in the entire Big East, which was also a little puzzling to me of why they couldn't stop Butler on the perimeter. Yeah, you have a great shooting night, but there's still at some point you have to say, hey, you know, second half, no more threes, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there had to be some adjustments. I don't think there was, but hey. Rob Anderson had some uh, good stats he put out as as always. Yeah. He said 
CU has also been 76-4 and under Coach Mack when scoring 90-plus points, 143-2 and since 2000 when shooting 54% or better from the field. I mean, yeah, I mean, Creighton, Creighton was, wins the shootouts. Yeah, Creighton was on one offensively as well, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Butler, which honestly I was as shocked about that as anything was that Butler was just like, yeah, we'll run with you. Yeah, uh, and they did. Yeah. That, not, Credit to I them. I mean, obviously they did, and they ended up coming out with a victory as well. Just I, I could not believe, and, and we can maybe talk about this later, I could not believe that they didn't have or at least refused to go to an alternative plan when Butler was just shredding their defense. And maybe you just say, hey, we have to execute what we do better, and I get that. But at a certain point, you have to be like, hey, we're not executing tonight. Let's try something else. And Creighton never made that call. All right, coming up next, we've got more. Herd Sports Radio here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. Hale Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio.